Well, and I'm going to ask you this morning to uh, pay really, really careful attention to what we're going to be talking about in the next few moments. In fact, um, I know it's dark in here. I mentioned that early in the service. Uh, there's not a lot of alternatives. It's like it's dark or every light is like the cleaning lights that are in here. So I know that. I know a lot of you uh, use to make notes. Uh, you do it a lot, a lot more electronically than you do with pen and paper anyhow. So I'm going to ask you to keep handy uh, something that you can make some notes on. You brought your tablet, your iPad, your uh, phone uh, in here today, and I'm going to give you some things toward the end of the service that's going to be important for you uh, to place uh, down somewhere because uh, out of this, we're going to commit some things to memory. And you're like, I, I'm not real good at that, but hang with me and we'll get there in just a few moments. All right. So we'll get to that. Uh, welcome back for week two of our three week series. We're calling it Room at the Table. Uh, and last week, we looked at how important it is for us to be like Jesus in this regard. We've been given a mandate, we've been given a mission, uh, go into all the world, the Bible says, and preach the gospel. We'll talk more about that a little bit uh, next week. Uh, we'll reference that and we'll see how that plays out in, in terms of the aspect of evangelism that we'll uh, get to next Sunday. But for today, um, we're going to talk about the portion um, of, of Jesus, what he did uh, that is to be duplicated by you and I. Last week, I mentioned to you, by the way, if you were not here, you can go uh, and listen to that online or watch it online, download it, the podcast. But we talked about how that we need Jesus's hands and we need his feet, and we need his heart, and we need his spine, or we need his backbone. And then we said that we need Jesus's mouth. And that's the part that we're really going to focus on today, how that we need his mouth, how that we need to be able to verbalize the gospel. We need to be able to communicate the gospel. And I want to just say on the front end, listen, barring none, nobody is omitted. You can do this. You can learn to present the gospel. And I know what some of you are thinking, but isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah, in the context of the people that I'm in, but not in the context of the people that you are around, people in your life, your family, where you work. And so we're going to talk about that. How do we open our mouth and how do we present the gospel? Now, you've heard it said, you've got to walk the walk. How many of you have ever heard that expression before? You just have to walk the walk. And I agree with that. That is entirely true. You have to walk the walk. Am I sometimes concerned about that, whether or not we're walking the walk? Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat concerned from time to time, maybe, but not nearly as I'm concerned about the other aspect of that whole equation, and that is, we also have to talk the talk. How many of you know that's equally true? And sometimes, in, in fact, my observation has been that for the most part in the body of Christ, Christians walk the walk a lot better than they do talk the talk. It, what I mean by that, living the life, living the consistent life. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. How many of you have already figured out that the person seated next to you is not perfect? How many of you have already figured that out? How many of you, you know that they figured out that you're not perfect? How many of you know? And you're, you're saying, yeah, they're less perfect than I am. Nope. Save that for another Sunday. All right. So we, we know that, but again, problematically uh, speaking, for us generally, it is not walking the walk, living the life. It is us communicating the life that we have come into. I read this not long ago. Please listen to it carefully. It's so weird to people that Jesus is the most important thing to us, yet we're so awkward in talking about it. 
We love our kids. We'll talk about our kids all day. We love our wives. We'll talk about our wives. We love a sport. We'll talk about that sport. But when it comes to talking about Jesus, it doesn't just flow out naturally. It just doesn't happen naturally. And, and I want to just, again, it's just who I am, like it or not, it's who I am, just be transparent with you. That often describes me. It, it doesn't always flow out naturally. Sometimes it does when I'm communicating the gospel, you know, in like one-on-one settings or one-on-two settings where maybe I'm talking to a couple or a couple of friends. But uh, sometimes it just feels very natural to me. It's very uh, easy to me. But at other times, I stumble with that. Uh, How many of you also, uh, that's familiar to you. You want to, but it's like, how do I communicate the gospel? What do I say? How do I say it? And we're going to talk. I mean, we're going to be so painfully practical here today. And this is going to be, I think, one of the, if not the most important message you have ever heard for somebody else. Let me say that again. Today, Today, this is going to be one of, at least one of, maybe the most important message that you have heard for somebody else. And it is how do you communicate your faith? So last week we talked about it in part one. We need to have Jesus' hands. We need to have his feet. We need to have his spine. We need to have his heart. But we also have got to learn to speak up. And perhaps you're a lot like me. First of all, You have to work up sort of the courage to dive in. But then once you do, maybe you stumble. Maybe you sort of stammer around. But fortunately for you and for me, there is hope and help for us. And that's exactly where we're headed today. So I want you to join in on the ride. What one writer has said is so true. Listen to it. If I wait until I'm feeling 100% certain about a spiritual conversation with somebody who is far from God, I may never have it. Let me read that again. If I wait until I'm feeling 100% comfortable and certain about having a spiritual conversation with somebody who is far from God, I may never have it. This week I met, had a couple that I've gotten to know a little bit. I haven't known them real well up until this point. I know that they've been coming to our church uh, for a couple of years or so. Mike and Angela have. And I know because Angela communicated with me a little over a week ago that, that Mike had had a sudden Uh, heart attack. I I would categorize it as a massive heart attack. And so, you know, communicating back that, you know, we're going to be praying and and, uh, for Mike, and we were certainly doing that. And then toward the end of the week, uh, uh, Angela got in contact with me and said, hey, would you be willing to meet with us? And so yesterday, uh, I met them for coffee, and I just heard the whole story play out. And I don't have the time to tell the whole story, but uh, in essence, while we're sitting there, and they both were emotional, Mike, especially because he, you know, primarily had been through the trauma, and Angela, you know, was feeling that as her husband, but they had actually been over in Claremont last weekend, I think it was, last Friday or Saturday, and so uh, they were with their kids and grandson over there, and so started to come back, and lo and behold, Mike started noticing some discomfort initially in his back, then his chest. He said, the proverbial elephant sitting on your chest. He said, man, that's what was going on. And I realized that I was in trouble. 
And he told the story how that their route from where they would normally drive, that they would have gone through the green swamp. How many of you have ever driven through the green swamp? How many of you know there's no sense of humanity around the green swamp whatsoever? That is the loneliest, boring road, most boring road I've ever been on in my whole life. And so they said, you know, had it been 10 minutes down uh, down the road, and they would have been uh, on down into getting the green swamp. It would have taken uh, EMT uh, rescue efforts a long time to get to them. But, but Mike was, in fact, having a heart attack. He had a complete blockage. And those of you, medically speaking, uh, you've heard the widow maker. He had a complete blockage. And so they pull off of the road, call 911 in just a matter of moments because of their location. They weren't further down Green Swamp. Uh, got uh, to Mike. Um, he said, I was out of it. And then they got me. I remember them putting me into the ambulance and they closed the doors and I was in and out and they're poking me and prodding me. And I can tell they're talking to a doctor back at the emergency room. And, um, and I heard at one point say, uh, Doc, this is not good. We're having trouble getting him stable. He's, this is not good. We're having trouble getting him stable. They had the heart catheterization team waiting for him. He had this blockage. They were able to put a stent in. And uh, physically, he's doing a, a whole lot better. Thank God for that, right? Uh, thank God. Yeah, we can, we can clap for that. And so Mike raised a very valid question. I don't know. I know they're going to be here today. I met with them yesterday. And they were, are you guys in this service? Okay. Uh, Mike? Angela, so they'll be in the 11 o'clock service. I can't remember which one they typically come to. But Mike got really emotional while we're sitting around having coffee uh, yesterday. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why that God spared me. He said, Pastor Jeff, 10 minutes down the road, 10 minutes down the road. I, I was in so much trouble. He said, in fact, they told him, if I remember the stats right, they told him at the hospital, uh, the kind of heart attack that he has Unless you have that heart attack while you're at the hospital, less than 6% survive it. Less than 6%. He said, I don't understand why. I don't understand why. He's a fairly new Christian. They started coming here a couple of years or so ago. And he said to me uh, yesterday, he said, Pastor Jeff, had I, had I, uh, this happened to me and I'd passed away two years ago, I wouldn't be ready for heaven. I'm ready for heaven now. He said, but I'm struggling to understand why? Why did God spare me? I didn't want to leave my family. And, and so we talked about that for just a moment. And he said, I was thinking about that while I was in the back of the ambulance. I knew I was in trouble. And I didn't want to leave my family. Uh, I knew I was right with God. I knew I was going to be okay with that. But why? And so we talked about that. And he said, um, he said uh, you know, I'm, I've got to sort this out, don't I? And I'm like, yeah. And I said, you know, Mike, had you passed? fact of the matter is you would have been better off. Your family wouldn't have been better off. They'd miss you like crazy. And so God's left you here for now for them. But Mike, what you're about to find, you don't understand it now. And good news is you don't have to figure it out today or next week or next month. But in due time, you're going to figure out why God left you here. And you're going to find out that part of the reason God left you here is because there's people in and around your life that God wants you to reach for Christ. There's people, and then I said this to him. I said, Mike, I said, listen, you got to hear this. And I could tell that Mike was all dialed in. I said, listen, there are going to be people. I'm a pastor. I know I'm a pastor. You know I'm a pastor. But there are going to be people that are going to listen to you and your story and are going to come to Christ, people that would never listen to me. Because number one, you got the context of relationships. But the other thing, you have a, you've had an experience where you 
You were literally looking death in the face, and you survived it. And there's a couple of things that really roll out of that when you piece that together. And uh, that is for Mike, and he gets it, and he says, I'm going to figure this out, and he will. And um, I said, by the way, tomorrow I'm going to be talking about how do we communicate the gospel. I said, God's going to, you already have the story, but you're going to learn how to communicate the gospel. The other thing is, there's people in and around our life. The other nuance I think of this is there's people in and around our lives that we don't know how long they have. See, uh, some people... Some people are going to go immediately. You know, you've had family members and friends didn't even have a chance to say goodbye or anything, a sudden heart attack, a stroke, a, uh, an aneurysm, something you never. And some people in and around your life, uh, there's not going to be a long lingering illness. There's not going to be time to say everything. And it like it heightens, at least it does for me, to think about the people that are in my sphere of influence, the people that I need to start having conversations with. And so Mike's going to figure it out. I believe you're going to figure it out. And I want to help you with that for the next few moments. And we're going to learn together. And some of you have never sat through anything like this before. Others of you have, and it's going to be uh, a reminder to you. But for a lot of you, uh, you've never heard how to communicate your faith, how to share a verbal witness, how to explain the gospel to somebody. How do you tell a person uh, how it is that they can become a Christian? Now, I find some humor in what I read that a guy said some time ago. He described it this way. He said, sharing my faith is much like the experience I have when I argue. It's often not until I wake up at 2 in the morning that I think of the perfect thing I wish I had have said. And so some of you, maybe you've had that experience. So let's, again, practically get into this. And to help us all, I'm going to mention four key words. I will not spend equal amount of time on each. So if you're a math person and you're trying to calculate, he spent this much time and you do the math, don't do that. You'll just get messed up. And we'll end or we'll, you know, a time you didn't expect. So I'm going to give you four words. You ready? I want you to get them down. You got your tablet? You got your phone? You ready? First word, initiate. Initiate. To initiate means that we can steer conversations toward, toward spiritual topics. We initiate, we, initiate, we initiate conversations about spirituality. We take normal conversations and we turn them toward spiritual matters. And all of us can do this. And, and let me just say, this may be the easier part of the four things that I'm going to mention to you. This is much easier than you might think. And the most effective way to do this is to ask questions. How do you take an otherwise normal conversation and you turn it towards spiritual matters? Uh, one of the primary ways, one of the most effective ways to do this is to ask questions. And some of you are saying, I'm not good at this. Yes, you are. You know how I know you're good at this? You learned this skill uh, when you were very, very young. You learned this skill about asking questions when you were a small child. Most likely, you ask enough questions as a kid to push your parents to the line of borderline insanity. You just had question after question after question. And you're like, you know, your parents wanted to say they love you too much. Like, kid, cut it out. That's too many questions. But you perfected this skill when you were young. You may not have it as sharpened and honed in as you need to have it today. So uh, here is a question for you about asking questions, a question about asking questions. And it is this, what are some good questions? I told you this to be practical. What are some good questions that can turn, again, otherwise normal conversations towards spiritual matters? And I'll give you a few examples, just a few. All right, here's a question. Get it down somewhere. Get it down somewhere. Here's a question, real simple. 
What do you think in a conversation that you're having with somebody, you can just naturally, again, this is not hard, what do you think about spirituality? What do you think about spirituality? And somebody can tell you that. That's a really good question. What do you think about spirituality? And then just sit back and listen. Don't interrupt. Just let them talk. What do you think about spirituality? Here's another question. Be sure you get, and, and, and the situation will dictate what kind of question. This is not an exhaustive list, just a few to get you started. Here's another good question. Here's another good question. Uh, when you were growing up, what did you learn about God? When you were growing up, what did you learn about God? And that can lead to a sort of a second part uh, to that same question. And, and what do you think about God? I mean, what did you learn growing up about God? And they may tell you a lot. They may say, I didn't learn much. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And then you can just sort of turn that to, what do you, what do you think about God today? Here's another one, sort of parallels. But another great question that you can ask, because here's what you're doing, is you're taking an otherwise normal conversation and you're turning it toward a spiritual, you're, you're getting ready to find an open door to communicate the gospel, and you can communicate the gospel. This is not just my job, and my responsibility is all, as followers of Jesus, our responsibility. And we're all going to be around people that others of us are not going to be around. So uh, we each have different groups. I talked about network last week. So here's, a, here's another question. What was your spiritual background like? And again, it's sort of common to the one that we just, but it's another form of asking a similar question. What was your spiritual background like? And that helps you to assess I was uh, having a conversation with a guy, sort of turning an otherwise normal conversation uh, towards spiritual matters. Had a conversation with a guy this week, and this is a guy I didn't know. In fact, it was the first time I ever met him. But the situation presented itself, and so the question I needed to ask him because I needed, I needed sort of a beginning point. I needed a baseline, and I sensed, and we'll come to this, that he was open. And so I just asked him, I asked him, do you believe in God? It was just a simple question. Do you believe in God? And he said, yes, I believe in God. And then that led me to ask a follow-up question. So you believe in God? Great, great. So that's good because what I was able to do is go ahead and, and understand right in the beginning, I'm not dealing with a person that is an atheist or an agnostic. This is a person that believes in God. Obviously, they're not a Christian. Do you believe in God? And he said, yeah, I believe in God. So I asked another question that I felt was important in the moment. Simple question. I'm just turning a conversation. I said, well, do you believe, do you believe that Jesus Christ is his son. And he said, I believe that too. I believe that too. Guy said to me, now you got to hear, hear this. He said, I've never been to church in my whole life, not even once. This guy in his 30s. I've never been to church my whole life. Never in his 30s. Never been to church. But I asked him, I was able to take a comment. Do you believe in God? And do you believe that Jesus Christ is his son? And it led me to an opportunity to be able to explain the gospel to him. Now, quite often when we're having a friendly dialogue with someone and asking questions, people are going to return the favor. And they're going to ask us some questions, which provides us a great opportunity to tell our story. And some of you are saying, well, I don't even have a story. Yes, you do. You have a story. Well, I don't have a story like Mike has a story. Do you really want to have Mike's story? I don't think so. Oh, well, I don't have my story. No, but you've got your story. And you say, well, my story is basic and boring. Well, your story is this. It, your story may be as simple as this. What was it like before you became a Christian? How did you become a Christian? 
All right? Told you it'd be practical. Here's your story. If you say, well, I don't have one. Yes, you do. What was my life like before I became a Christian? How did I become a Christian? And what has my life been like since? And you can tell your story. And you can do it in a way that is concise and makes sense. And, you know, it's not taking you forever to share that. So you have a story. And then out of your story, it presents an opportunity, oftentimes, not always, Uh, but an opportunity to actually communicate the gospel. And every one of you are going to learn how to do that. Now, here's another great way to initiate spiritual conversations. Look for opportunities towards certain, and I would even call them hot topics. Depending on where a person is at in their stage of life, there are certain topics that are hot topics to them. If you are a parent of small children, you're a, a big topic, a hot topic for you or for the person that you're getting ready to share the gospel with or turn a conversation towards spiritual matter. If they've got young kids, then a hot topic is parenting. So you can use that topic to start guiding a conversation. You can use the subject of marriage to guide that conversation. Maybe it's somebody in your life. Maybe it's somebody that you work with. They're going through a tough time in their marriage. And you can say, well, hey, I remember a tough time in my marriage. And we just had a challenge. And, and uh, we took it. And we went from here to here. And you can sort of communicate that. That may be a topic that gets their attention. It may be work, career. And they're talking about stress. And you can say, well, man, I remember a time in my life when I was all stressed out. And I was just working and I was just living and I couldn't sleep well and I wasn't eating right. And so you can turn that, you can turn a conversation toward, uh, toward heaven or eternity. You can let somebody know, hey, you know, somebody's been to a funeral and they're talking about it. Uh, I often say this at a funeral and you're saying, do you really say it? And I say it, I say it in a way that is well received. I don't like, uh, I'm not looking or staring, but I often, when I'm doing a funeral service, will stand and I'll say, well, guess what? One day somebody's going to do our funeral service. Somebody's got to do our funeral service. Now, why do I do that? Because people generally, when they're at a funeral or they're going to a funeral or they've just come from a funeral of a friend or a family member, you know, grandma passed away, they're thinking more about eternity because they start looking. They're, they're so busy with life, they're not really thinking about their own mortality until they come to a moment like that. So you can turn conversations toward uh, when you're in the holidays, like we're coming up on Christmas. Can you believe that? Have you seen all the Christmas decorations in stores? already. And so for three weeks, and I'm just giving you this ahead of time, for three weeks, I'll do some of the most evangelistic messages I've ever done here at Lakeside. And it's going to be a great opportunity for you to start saying, hey, Christmas, and when you come to church with me on Sunday. So our first word is initiate, initiate. Second word, got, not going to spend much time, as much time here, discern, discern. You got to discern around this idea of discern or discernment. We're asking God to help us to evaluate a person's level of interest. And maybe it would help us to refer to it in this way. You could call it, if it helps you, the law of supply and demand. The law of supply and demand. Is there interest in spiritual matters on the high side or is it low or minimal? Think of it like a door. Is the door barely cracked open or is it wide open? Our, our youngest granddaughter, uh, who's about to turn four, she's not nearly as excited about preschool as she ought to be. So she's always looking for opportunities to get out of it. She does not want to be there. And so the other day, um, they're not even sure if she's awake yet or not. And, uh, and Brent says to Nicole, I think that Landry is awake because I think I 
heard her. And then he just happened to turn around. They were in close enough proximity. He turned around and he could see that Landry had her bedroom door cracked about that much. And she's just looking out and listening to the conversation. And as soon as she hears her daddy say, I think she's already done. And she immediately shuts the door like she's, you know, still asleep. Uh, Her level of receptivity would be minimal. Her idea of going to preschool, minimal. She didn't throw up the door, throw open the door and say, I'm so ready to go to school. All right. So you can gauge First word, initiate. You're turning, you're initiating conversation. You're taking an otherwise normal conversation and you're turning it towards spiritual matters with questions or with relatable topics or with hot topics, but now you're in the discernment mode. You're trying to think whether or not you're trying to discern. You're asking God, God, help me to see, are they open? Think of it like a door. Either the door is just barely cracked open. That's going to help you to know what to do in your presentation if it's wide open. And, and again, it's incredibly helpful to know this, to discern their openness, supply and demand. How much information, this is really important, how much information are they ready to receive? And again, practically speaking, if we have discerned that their interest is relatively low, then we shouldn't force it. We shouldn't force it. Jesus didn't force it. And you're like, I have to. This is like the one in the, the door is not cracked, so I'm going to knock it down. I'll knock it down on top of them if I have to. That is not having good discernment. All right, you don't want to force something, uh, but you're trying to gauge. Are they ready to hear a little bit of information or, you know, is the door wide open? So if, if their interest is relatively low, you shouldn't force it. Jesus didn't and you shouldn't either. However, the opposite is also true. If their receptivity is on the higher side, then we should not underdeliver. Let me say that again. If their interest is on the higher side, we should not underdeliver. And let me give you a little caveat right here. We shouldn't immediately reach that conclusion if we're feeling reluctant about sharing our faith. Uh, I don't think they're ready. Well, they may have been super ready, but you weren't ready. And we'll come to that. You weren't ready. Therefore, it just made it easier for you to just say they weren't ready. And they may have been completely ready. So we've got to initiate, wave your hand with, at me if you're at initiate. How many of you, you got that down? Wave at me, wave at me. Initiate, you're taking a conversation, an otherwise normal conversation, turn it towards spiritual matters. A discern, you're trying, to, you're trying to figure out with God's help, their level of receptivity. Is the door barely cracked open or is it wide open? The law of supply and demand, all right? So far, this is not really difficult. But the harder work of evangelism is now about to begin. And this is where I'm going to ask you to dial in. I'm thinking about work. Pastor Jeff, we've got a project going on. There's a lot happening at work. My kids, you know, school tomorrow and all that. I'm going to ask you for the next few moments to shut this completely out. Because now we've come to what is probably the most important part, but the most difficult part of sharing our faith. And that is when we actually explain. This is the part that we must be mentally prepared for. We're not winging it. We're not winging it. We go through our life winging so many things. We're not winging this. We're not trying to make it up or figure it out as we go. We are knowledgeable. Listen, we know what we're getting ready to say. We're knowledgeable about presenting the gospel. And because we're knowledgeable, we are therefore confident in regards to explaining the gospel. And some of you, I know, I know, I've dealt with this a lot. Uh, A lot of people say, well, I don't know that I can do that. That's quite a lot of information for me to digest and think about and be able to verbalize to people. And besides, my memory isn't my strong suit, all right? 
That's an excuse. We talked about making excuses lately. That is an excuse. How many of you know this? For the most part, you and I can apply ourselves enough to remember what we want to really remember. We can. We can remember those things that matter to us. You can remember certain birthdays, all right? You can. Why? Because it's important to you to remember the person's birthday. You can remember your wedding anniversary. I hope you remember your wedding anniversary. If you don't, figure it out real quick because your wife's going to ask you after this service. He mentioned it. Therefore, do you know my wedding anniversary? And you will say, yes, I know your wedding anniversary. So I'm just giving you a heads up. If you don't know it, figure it out real quick. You'll be asked, all right? We can remember certain dates. We can remember if we're we're taking a test and we've studied. We can remember information. We can remember questions and answers. And people who tell me they can't memorize anything, it's amazing to me how many uh, sports schedules and details and statistics that they can remember. The people that they say that they can't remember things to be able to communicate them. We remember what we want to remember. Now, I want you to check out a couple of verses, a couple of Bible verses in regards to this, where the scriptures tell us that this is what we need to do. Look at this one. Always be what? You're not winging it. You're not making it up. You're not trying to figure it out. I think you know it. You know it. You know it like you know your address. You know it like you know your own phone number. I'm not going to ask you if you like you know other people's phone number because how many of you know it's all in our phone. We don't remember phone numbers anymore. It's all in our phone. But we remember information. Always be prepared. You're prepared. You're prepared to do what? To give an answer to everybody who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Look at this next portion. All right, another place. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who will be saved? Everybody, right, who calls on the name of the Lord. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? They can't call on Jesus to save them if they don't believe in Jesus. And how can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard about Jesus? This guy I was talking to Wednesday, never been to church my whole life. Do you believe in God? I believe in God. Do you believe that Jesus, I believe in Jesus and as his son. So heard about him. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Who's that someone? Let me give you a clue. It's you. That someone is you. So we prepare ourselves ahead of time. Always be prepared, the apostle says. So, all right, that moment has come. You ready? I want you to really dial in right here. That moment is upon us. What are we going to say? We have taken a conversation and we have turned it. We've asked a question or questions, or we've gotten uh, on a topic, and we've been able to turn that topic uh, toward a spiritual conversation. We, we have initiated that. We have discerned their level of receptivity. Is the door wide open, or is it slightly cracked? Law of supply and demand. And, and now, this is what we're going to do. We're going to explain it. That situation is upon us. One Mercedes-Benz TV commercial shows their car their Mercedes-Benz colliding with a cement wall during a safety test. Someone then asked the company's spokesperson why they do not enforce their patent on the Mercedes-Benz energy-absorbing car body, a design evidently copied by other companies because of its success. So Mercedes-Benz, uh, they developed this technology to help, pe- help save lives, energy-absorbing, but they don't patent it. They allow other car companies to use it and... Uh, the spokesperson for Mercedes-Benz were asked that question, and here was the reply. Matter-of-factly was the reply, because, in their words, and I quote, because some things in life are too important not to share. Some things in life are too important not 
to share. So that moment is upon us. Now, there are some tremendous tools, and I'll just mention these tools, and you've got to find what works for you. What works for me is not going to work for you necessarily. What works for you may not work for me, so you've got to be comfortable in your own skin. You've got to be comfortable in your own communication. You've got to be comfortable in your own delivery. And so for some of you, it's like, okay, where do I start? Some of you have heard this if you've grown up around church. You could use the Romans road. And I'm not going to take the time. You could find that out. If you can't find it out, let us know. We'll point you toward it. You could use the Romans road to communicate the gospel. You could use the four spiritual laws to do that, if that feels right for you. You could use steps to peace with God. This is something that Billy Graham used a long, long time. Uh, Steps to peace with God. You could use the bridge illustration, and you could Google most of these, and you can find out in, with, with great clarity, and you can find what fits you. But if you say, well, you know, um, what if I just sort of, you know, I'm not walking him through the Romans road, or I'm not presenting one, two, three, the four spiritual laws, steps to peace with God. I'm not writing out on a napkin or a piece of paper the bridge illustration. I'm not doing that. Then is there a way when I'm, you know, I don't have any of that accessible, and I'm just talking, you know? I've initiated a conversation. I've discerned that they're ready, law, supply, and demand. And now I'm going to explain. Here's where I want you, all right? If you've made no other notes, I'm about to just give you some high points. And I want you to get these down. And I want you to learn them. 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 I want you to be able to, you can, you can practice with family members or friends. You can do this. But here in essence, and, and this is the harder work, but you can do this, every one of you. But I want you to get this down. And I'll say each one a little bit. You're like, how long is it going to take me to present the gospel? 15. I've got to memorize 15 minutes of stuff. Absolutely not. It's just a few things, but you've got to be clear on it. You got to, if you're clear, you've got to be confident. If you're confident, you're much more likely to communicate the gospel. All right. I'm going to break this down, make it real simple, real practical before we're done. I want you to get this. All right. Here's something you need to communicate. Communicate this early in the game. You ready? I want you to get this down, and I want you to memorize it. I want you to get comfortable with it so you can communicate it. Here, early in the game, you need to say something. You don't have to use my words exactly, but somehow you've got to be able to communicate to people, God created you, and God loves you, and God wants to have a relationship with you. You Now, again, obviously, you're not repeating it as rote, repetitious as I am. You're naturally and casually, but what you're communicating is that, that God created you and that God loves you and that God wants to have a relationship with you. Now, following that, here's what you want to say. Uh, and you don't have to follow this exact order, but it's got to be well thought out. Here's another thing that you have to communicate. God, God created you. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Here's a follow-up to that. But we've got a problem. We've got a problem. Our sin separates us from a holy and perfect God. God, again, created you. If I'm communicating this to a friend, God created you. Somehow I'm saying that in the conversation. Not just like God created you. God loves you. God, I'm not, you know, just casually, I'm getting that across. God created you. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Guess what? You and I have a problem, and that is that our sin separates us from a perfect and holy God. Now, along that same line, you want to commit, communicate this. There's a penalty. There's the wages of sin, the Bible calls it. And here's our problem. Our sin separates us from a holy and perfect God. And here's, furthermore, our problem. The wages of sin is death. Death. 
eternal separation from the God who loves us, created us, wants to have a relationship with us. Our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from God. Furthermore, the wages of sin, according to the Bible, according to the Bible, this is not on your authority. This is on the authority of the Bible. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God forever and ever. And at that point in the conversation, I might inject, I hope you live to be 80, 90, 100 years old. But guess what? You're going to live trillions and trillions and trillions of years beyond the 80, 90, 100 years that you have on earth. And you don't want to be separated from God for all of eternity. All right? So you've communicated that. You're with me. I'm not going to go back. Time's saying. But here's, here's another uh, way that this needs to be wrapped into this conversation. And people will resonate with this based on their spiritual background. And maybe that's a question you've asked them, their spiritual background. And then somehow we've got to be able to communicate, all right, our, our sin separates us from a holy and righteous God, all right? And the wages of sin is death. And on our own, we cannot be good enough or earn our way to God. Because a lot of times people think that. That's the way they were raised. Somewhere along the line, they picked that up. I'm separated from God. I've got to earn my way. I've got to be good enough. And hopefully if I'm good enough, my good is going to outweigh my bad and I'm going to get into heaven because I've been a little bit better than I have been worse. So again, uh, here's, our, here's our problem. Our sin separates us from a perfect and holy God and the wages of sin is death. And our go-to, I might would say it this way, our go-to is we just try to say, well, I can make it happen. So I'm going to be good enough or I'm going to earn my way. And then I'll say, friend, that's just not going to work. And then, you ready? You getting this down? I hope you are. This is probably one of the most important messages you've ever heard for somebody else, somebody that you can lead to Christ. Here's the other thing that you and I can communicate. God knew this. God knew our dilemma, and that's why he sent Jesus. God knew our dilemma, and that's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross in our place. God knew our problem. God knew that our sin separated. God knew, you know, if you're familiar, you could tie in a verse from Romans. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. God knows our problem of sin separates us. And God knew that, and because God knew that, and he knew that it wouldn't work for you and I trying to earn it, make it happen, be good enough, God sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross in our place, in our place. And I need to hurry, but this... Again, you're getting comfortable with this. If you're confident, if you're not confident, you're probably going to back out. You're going to chicken out. If you're not, you're like, I don't know, and you're trying to wing it. You're trying to figure it out on the fly. That is not, you got to be able to, to know it. Again, not just artificially communicating it, but you're wrapping it into the conversation. I was doing this on Wednesday. Hey, and I was having the same kind of conversation, all right? God knew it, and that's why Jesus sent, and that's why God sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross. Now, here's another thing. Because Jesus died on the cross. Because Jesus died on the cross, grace and forgiveness is offered to us as a a free gift. Because Jesus died on the cross, grace and forgiveness is offered to us as a free gift. And then you're leading them to this point. But we have to receive it. We have to receive it. We have to receive the gift of grace and forgiveness and invite Jesus to become the Savior and the leader of our life. And friends, 
you, you don't have to have you don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have, well, I can't share my faith because I don't know enough about the Bible. You could take what I've just shared with you in those moments. You can tell your story. It may not be, it may not be a story like Mike has, but you can share your story. It may be as simple as this is what my life was like. This is how I became a Christian. And then this is what my life has been like since. You have initiated a conversation. You're with me? Wave at me if you're with me. We're about done. You have initiated a conversation. You have discerned their level of receptivity. Now you've explained the gospel. Last word, and I'll just close. It will only take me one moment. Here's the word, ask. A-S-K. Ask. And what do I mean by that? You've done everything to this point, but it may be at this point where you've just got to do the big ask, where you've got to look at somebody and say something like this. You're asking them. It's another question. Are you ready to receive Jesus into your life? Are you ready? You know, they've been receptive. They've looked. They haven't tried to shut you down. You have explained the gospel. You get to the end of the, the, the presentation that you've made naturally, probably out of the context of a relationship that you already have with them. And then you ask, hey, is there anything that would keep you from praying this prayer? Is there anything that would stop you? Anything, any questions you have? Are you ready? And then you lead them. You lead them. You lead them in that prayer. And God will use you in amazing ways. Uh, I'll close with this. You can go ahead and stand. Any of you like movies? You like movies, huh? All right, three of you like movies. <laughs> Any of you like Kevin Costner? And all the ladies said, yes. We yeah, okay, now, now, now I got your attention. And a uh, movie he did a number of years ago called The Guardian. It was a great, great movie. And... and uh, at the end, hotshot guy who was sort of coming on the scene, he, he, his role was he would save lives. I think he was part of the Coast Guard, and he would save lives. And this young hotshot up-and-coming diver asked him, said, how many, how many, how many? Wanted to know his number. What's your number, he said. What's your number? And he thought he'd say two or three hundred was my number. Two or three hundred that I, and, and, and Kevin Costner, the role that he was playing in the movie, he said, I think the number was 44. He said, 44, and the guy was shocked. He said, 44? I thought it'd be so much more than that. You've only saved the lives of 44 people? He said, I've never counted the ones that I've saved. I only count the ones that I lost. And see, there's people around our lives that are lost, and God has left you, and your story is not as dramatic as mine, it's not as dramatic as somebody else, but God has intentionally placed you in, a, in, in an environment, whether it's work or school, your family or your friends, and there's people around you that are lost. But God's going to use you. He really, really is to communicate. There's room at the table. And you can initiate. You can do this. And you can discern. And you can explain. If you need more help, let us know. We'll give you that help. And here's how we're going to end today. I want you to right there where you're at to just think of two or three people. Two or three people. They're on your heart and your mind. You can pray for them. They're lost. And that's how we're going to end the service today. Right there where you're at. Just take 30 seconds and just pray. God, I pray. Call them by name. I pray. Pray for them. Pray you'll give me an opportunity to reach them. God, help me to take a conversation. Give me the confidence to explain the gospel. Lord, use me. I don't feel adequate. I don't feel good enough. That doesn't matter. You're going to use me to lead them to you. God, help us all. Help us all, not just to have your hands, your feet, not just to have your heart, your 
backbone, but to have your mouth and to practically and effectively and courageously share our faith because so much is at stake. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. Love you, everybody.